Let's go ahead and open in prayer, and we're going to be in Galatians chapter 3. And as you can see, today is also communion. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for this day. We ask that you bless this time as we look at your word and as we look at what you would have us to, to see from this and, and help us just to see who we are in you. And we just thank in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians chapter 3, starting at verse 26. For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. That's where we're going to stop today. We're, we're reading a little bit of a chain here that Paul is bringing out that if you know Jesus, you're, you're one of his children, and you're in Christ, and you're baptized, and you've put on Christ. So we're going to look at each one of these kind of statements a little bit and, and examine them. Uh, so we want to start with, we're God's children. You know, have you really ever thought about the fact that we are God's children? Now, now that does not mean that... Uh, we are able to do what we want, but he is our father. He is going to raise us up as a child. We are part of his family. We have access to all that Jesus has as the son of God because we are his children. Why do we have it? Simply because of what Jesus did for us. If he hadn't gone to the cross so that he could forgive our sins, then we could not be his children. And we want to be see this. This does not... This particular word for children does not even mean adoptive children, even though we technically are. This means that we looks at us and says we are full-fledged children of God. And I hope you understand the power that that has in it. He's not saying, well, you just have access to heaven. You're, you're able to come to heaven. You know, we will tolerate you until, until whatever time. But he says, you are my children. He created Adam and Eve to be children of him. He came to the garden to, to fellowship with them each, each day. You know, he came to the cool of the evening and talked with them. Wouldn't it be great to have God come and actually physically come to, the, come to your presence and talk with you? And they rejected that. They sinned and brought an end to that. They brought spiritual death. And yet God continues to, to make this motion. Now, in Matthew it tells us that, that Adam was the son of God in the genealogy. When you read the genealogy and you get down to that last statement and, and who began and, and was the father of, was the son of Adam, was God's son. You know, it's an amazing, amazing fact that God wants us to be his children. Children. And we, and we think about that because how special are your children? You know, they say the blood's thicker than water. No matter how bad your children get, they're still your children and you love them, you hurt for them and you want them to do better. Sometimes to the point of doing too much for them and enabling them to continue living a bad lifestyle, you know, which we have to be careful of. But we have got to say, we're his children. And that's where it starts. We start with, we're his children. He says, for you are the children of God by faith in Christ. Okay. Just because Jesus paid for the sins of the whole world does not mean that everybody automatically is his child. I've heard that kind of go, well, Jesus paid all the sins. It doesn't matter. I'm going to heaven no matter what I do. No. It is by faith 
in Christ. He paid the price. We have to believe he is the Son of God. We have to believe he is the perfect lamb that went to the cross to pay for our sins. We have to believe that he resurrected from the dead. And then that he has come into our life by acceptance of him as our Savior. Very important. Very important. Many of you, if you've been in the church long enough, have met people who in their 60s, 70s, 80s have come to realize that they didn't know Jesus and accept Jesus in their older, in their older years. And in many cases, if you looked at them, you would have said, man, they're great Christians. They're here every time the doors are open. You know, they're the ones that step up and help. But they never knew Jesus. And it's important for us to know that we know that we know Jesus. Once you know that you know him, you will never have any doubts that he's your savior. Because there's that relationship. He lives in us. He directs us. He guides. It's an amazing thing when you go out and you do something and God is there. He is in your life. He is leading. He speaks to you. Maybe not in an audible voice, but I guarantee if you really know him, you've, you've heard his voice. You've heard him say, do this or don't do this. Or it might even be, what the heck are you doing in this place? <laughs> you know, this is not where you're supposed to be. You know, it's a little late to be listening to him, but at least you hear him and get out of it, that's good. But he wants to be listening, uh, having us listen. And it's a still, small voice that he speaks with. We've said before, it would be so wonderful if God just rode across the sky, this is what you're supposed to do. Or he stood right by your shoulder in a very audible voice, no, don't turn right, go left. Unfortunately, that's not the way he does it. He speaks in a still, small voice. He speaks through his word. He speaks through getting to know him. And the more you know him, the more you will hear his voice. Because you will feel him. He's right there talking to you. But the important part is to be in Christ. And this is the first part of it, in Christ. And, God, and all through the uh, epistles, Paul keeps using this term. Be in Christ or put on Christ. Or as this verse goes, he talks about both. Be in Christ and put on Christ. So he's being, making a very strong point here he wants it to get hold of. And he says, be in Christ Find my place. For as many, for in Christ, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Baptized. We've talked about this before. Baptized. You know, most of us, when we hear the word baptized, we think of opening up the pit, open up the baptismal, put water in, and and being dunked in the water and come back out. And that is very good. We need to follow Christ in baptism. All right. But baptism is only an outward expression of what has already happened in our life. And in this case, he says that we are to be baptized into Christ. The moment we are saved, we are baptized into Christ. And that means, literally, we are immersed into Christ. And his word talks about not coming back out. Okay? And... There's a distinction, and we covered this a couple weeks ago, but we're going to go over it again because we talked about we want to be pickles, so we're going to give that back to you again. There's this discussion on how to make a pickle in Greek, and it says to, to bapto, which means to dip into the hot water. And the vegetables, if you've ever made pickles, you dip them in the hot water, you blanch them. 
And then he says that you were to baptize or baptizo in the Greek, which means to submerse in the, in the vinegar, and you left it there. And if you've made pickles, you, you put your vegetables that you're pickling in the vinegar, seal them up, and put them in the shelf for a certain amount of time, depending on what you're pickling. That is what God is saying to us. He wants to change who we are by baptizing us in Christ and leading us there until we absorb Christ. And then we are no longer who we were when we started. We are a spiritual being that brings Christ out in everything that we do. And the good news is we did nothing to do this. All we had to do was be dipped into Christ, submerged into Christ, and stay there. And he changes us. This is where grace is important. You know, too many times we try to change other people, especially the people we're trying to witness to. Let me get this person to be a good person. We'll get them to quit stealing, quit lying, you know, quit whatever it is they're doing. And then we'll give them the gospel because they're ready for it. That's not how it's supposed to work. We're supposed to go out and give the gospel. Once they respond to the gospel, then they get baptized into Christ, and Christ will change who they are. He will be the one that will get them to stop stealing, lying, you know, committing adultery, homosexuality, fornication, whatever the sin is. It'll be Jesus that does it because we are baptized in him, being changed by him. I hear people all the time saying, I'm working real hard at being a good Christian. And I've said it before, my answer to them is quit trying. <laughs> let God change you. That doesn't mean go out and sin for all that you're worth, but just let God change you. If he's in your life, he's going to change you. Because if you can sin without it being convicted, then you have to look and say, do I truly know God? Am I baptized into Christ? Am I baptized with the Holy Spirit? If I can sin without any conviction, then I have to look at my life and say, am I saved? If I can sin and I get convicted, then I got a really big problem if I just want to keep sinning and be convicted. But God's there. He will change. And I've said this over and over. The way we look, know that we've changed, just as a growing child, you watch children grow. If you, if you see your child every day growing, or your grandchild or niece or nephew, and you see them every day, you don't notice those inches they're gaining. You, know, you don't see somebody for three or four months, and all of a sudden it's like, weren't you, weren't you about this tall and now you're, now you're this tall? Our spiritual life is the same way. We're going to grow because God has made us a new creation. He has made us a spiritual being. We will grow. The more we feed and water our soul, the faster we will grow. That means get into the Word of God, read the Word of God, come and listen to, to the teachers at the, and on the radio and, and, and come to services and hear messages. The more we feed our spiritual being, the faster we will grow. If you want to have a very stented spiritual growth, quit feeding your spirit. And I know many people have got stunted spiritual growth. And I've already shared with you, I've got this picture of heaven that, about people being, how, how they fed their soul being what they're going to look like in heaven. You're going to have some people that are just barely emaciated beings there, and I think you're going to have people up there with their spirit bodies been fed all their life, and they're going to be, you know, good-looking, plump, maybe even fat. I guess spiritual fatness will be a good thing. 
and lose some, lose it down here and get it up in heaven. <laughs> yeah. But you've got to understand, it is all through God. He's the one that's going to make the changes. If I am making the changes in my flesh, they're going to fail. Because God has told us that no flesh will stand in his presence. And there are some people that are really good. They can discipline their flesh real well. But then they start getting proud and they end up falling anyway. When I know that it's only God who's made the changes in me, I have nothing to be proud of. Because I just look over my life and say, wow, God, look at all that you've taken away. Look at all that you're doing. And it's all got to be him anyway. If it's anything that I think I'm doing, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. But the, the key to this is, let God change you. Be baptized in him, stay there, let him pickle you and, and change you into a spiritual being that's different from what you are when you start. And you think about this and using that example of a pickle. You put a cucumber in a jar and then you take out the pickle, there's a totally different, you know, yes, it's still a cucumber, but it doesn't taste anything like a cucumber, it doesn't have the texture of a cucumber anymore, the flavor of a cucumber, it is something that has been totally changed. And that is what God wants to do with us by baptizing us into Christ. He wants to make us a totally new, changed entity. We will still look like ourselves. We will still have our own mannerisms. But we will be a totally different flavor. So we're baptized into Christ. And then he says here to, the, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ have put on Christ. This is another picture of, of coming into Christ. And this word put on is the idea of falling into a very luxuriant garment. Okay? And if you've ever seen some of those commercials where somebody falls into the bed or the chair and into that nice blanket or whatever and wraps it around themselves, you know, the, the bathrobe or something, that's the picture that this is having. Putting on Christ. Not only are we baptized and changed internally, we get to put on Christ. We become his righteousness. We become his perfection because we are wrapped up in his clothing. This is the power of the gospel of Christ. It's not like so many religions out there giving you a list of rules. Follow all these rules. You know, follow these 28 rules and you're going to be okay with God. Number one, we couldn't follow them. God gave us 10 commandments out of the 613 that he made a big deal out of, and we can't keep the, six, the 10, you know, much less the other 603. We cannot follow the rules completely to be able to please God, and God knows that. But every religion in this world is built on rules. Do these rules. And the problem is they're not saying be perfect like God says. They're saying do more good than bad, and you're going to be okay because... The God up there has some kind of scale up there that measures good and bad. And God does not have a scale up there. One sin tips the scale inevitably to punishment. It doesn't matter. You do one sin and you do 80 million good things, the scale still stays on punishment. Because God's standard is not, is not a floating standard. He does not have a, a bell curve. He does you know, went to school on the second time and everybody talks about the curve. You know, so many teachers grading on a curve. You know, and they didn't like the student who got 100 because that blew the curve. Yeah. You know, uh, 
God doesn't have a curve. He doesn't say you're better than 80% than of the people, you're okay, or half the people. He says you must be perfect. And the problem is we know we're not perfect. That is why Jesus had to come. If there was any other scale, and we've talked about this in, in the previous weeks about the law, if the law could have done something to get us into heaven, Jesus would not have had to come to die. Because God would have said, I'm not giving you my son when you can do it yourself. But because we were sinners, because we are sinners, we are born sinners. The moment you are born, God says you're a sinner and you deserve hell. We sin because we are sinners. You know, the world wants us to believe that we, that we become sinners because we do sin. But that's not the way God looks at it. He says, you are born with sin. You have the sin nature in you. You are born guilty. We have to understand that. We are born guilty. And Jesus said, okay, Father, I'll go rescue them because they can't rescue themselves. I will go redeem them. And he died for us. Then he gives us his righteousness. He says, okay, Father, we're justifying. I paid the price. And just to be sure, Father, let's give them my righteousness. Let's clothe them in my righteousness. It's wonderful. God sees us perfect. He knows that we're not. We know that we're not. But because he sees us through the sacrifice of Jesus when we've accepted him, he looks down and says, there's my perfect children. There's, there's the righteousness of Jesus shining forth. We come before him and he sees perfect perfection and righteousness. And we come into his presence. All because we have put on Christ. We have put on Christ. When we stand before God at the judgment time, he'll look at us and say, there's my son, come on in, or, or my daughter, come on in. Others will stand there and say, without the righteousness of Christ, and he'll look at them and say, depart. There's not even a case to be made because they're coming without the righteousness of Christ. And they will be rejected. And we will be accepted. We will go stand before the beam of seat of Christ where he'll, our works will be judged. And as I've said, anything we've done in our own flesh, whether it's good or bad, will be burnt up because the flesh does not stand. Everything that we've allowed him to do through us will be rewarded. And I love his plan. I love his plan. He does everything and I get all the rewards. You do too, by the way, as long as you're in Christ. You know, you, you let him do all the work through you and you get all the rewards. Isn't that a great plan? You know, we don't have to sit there and strive. We don't have to push ourselves to be good. We don't have to sit there. All we have to be is crucified and let Christ work in us. Or be pickled in the example of the baptism. So I just want to encourage us as we look at this. And then the result of all of this, when we're in Christ, he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for all are one in Christ. When we are in Christ, all the Father sees is his children, one. And the idea of this, there is neither Greek nor uh, Jew nor Gen uh, Greek, which meant you, know, you either were, were a Jew or you were a Greek or Gentile in their eyes. Bond or free, male or female, there's no difference before God's throne for any of us. 
we are in Christ. Now, that, does that mean that all of us get the same rewards in heaven? No, because we get to, we have to let, it'll be based on how much we let him work through us. Does it mean that there's no differences between anybody in this, in this, in this life? No, God says there's hierarchies. But at the foot of the cross, at the, at the, at the foot of the throne, there's no difference. There's differences in positions. God says he, put, he has ordained the government to, to reward good and punish evil. Unfortunately, sometimes our governments are forgetting this in, in this day and kind of reversing it. But they were ordained by God. And the leaders will stand before God in their position as leaders. He ordained fathers and husbands to lead their household. Doesn't mean that they're any better than the other person, but God says you're going to be the one that's accountable. And so for all of us husbands in here, we've got a greater accountability because when we stand before God, he's going to say, why did you let this go on in your house? Why did this go on? Pastors are given responsibility. There's all kinds of different places where people are given responsibility. And you know, it's an awesome thing when you're given responsibility because there's also greater condemnation for that responsibility. Because if you're in a position where you can harm somebody's life by, your, by making the wrong decisions, you're accountable for that. And God says that there's a great accountability that's going to happen. But I just want to encourage, we're all one in Christ. We are a new creation in Christ, a spiritual being. And so we want to be able to live that way. We want to show that to people. We want to get hold of that. Because if you can really grab hold of who you are in Christ, that you are perfect, you will be victorious. Satan comes along, and we've talked about this. He comes around with some facts. You're a terrible person. You, you sin a lot. You, know, you don't deserve going to heaven. You don't deserve these people liking you. Those may very well be facts. But the truth is, Jesus died for my sins, and I'm perfect in God's sight, and I'm going to heaven. And you know, when the devil comes and he accuses you and tries to make you feel bad about yourself, with a bunch of facts about who you are, give them the truth. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I've got the power of Christ to live through. Don't buy into his, his facts because his facts are really a lie because they don't look at the truth. And Jesus is the truth. He has set us free. We need to then take out that message and we go out and share with others. Not because we're perfect, but just because we want to show them how they can be cleansed from their sin. I hope you can remember back to the day that you got saved and the joy and the, and the lightness that you felt when you got saved. The, clean, the just feeling of cleanliness when your sins were covered by the blood. If not, ask God to give that back to you. Give it, ask him to give you the joy of your salvation back and start sharing that joy with others. Because we all need to be out there sharing the gospel. Because it is important that we all go out and that doesn't mean every single person we meet we're going to give the gospel to. But be listening to God to find out who you're supposed to give it out to. Yeah. I, have met, I have met people who are evangelists. They tell everybody, you know, it doesn't take them long to give the story. But we've talked about it. How easy is the gospel? We are sinners deserving the hell. Jesus came and paid the price and, so that we could go to heaven. And all you have to do is ask him, believe in your heart and ask him to come in and he will do it. Salvation message can be delivered in 30 seconds. It's up to the individual what they do with it. You're going to have lots of no's. 
But if, when you get that one person that says yes, and they come to Christ, and you see the lights come on in their eyes, and you see the, the heaviness come off their shoulders, and you see the, the smile that comes across their face when God comes in, it is worth it. It's worth the yeses. Let's close in prayer, and we're going to have communion, and then we'll sing a couple more songs. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you, you brought us, Lord. Help us always to start seeing ourselves as you see us. Help us to know that we are baptized. You are the one making the changes. You are the one that's helping us come and help those to come to you. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.